All right, everyone, I think we'll go ahead and get it started. Uh, my name is Max. For those of you who don't know me, I'm with the Fiat Dao uh, core team. And this is the third installment of our AMA series with other fixed income asset protocols uh, in, in the DeFi space. Uh, tonight, we'll be talking with Pendle Finance. And this comes after our previous episodes uh, with both Notional and Tempest Finance. Um, so without further ado, I'd like to introduce Tien uh, from the Pendle team uh, to the stage. Hey, um, yeah, th thanks for having me. Of course, I appreciate you taking the time, Tien. Um, so just to get things started off, it would be great for us to hear a little bit more about, about your background and how you uh, came into crypto in the first place. Yeah, for sure. So, for me, I, um, I, I, I think this all uh, th this goes all the way to um, twenty fourteen. My my first interaction with crypto was when I was doing. I was a research assistant for a professor back in back in um, university, and so this professor specifically focuses on fintech and. So, so one of the research topics that I was tasked to dive deeper into was to look at the remittance businesses back then, right? Using creative, um, you know, creative solutions to to enable efficient transfer of money. And I remember coming across this company called Toast. I'm not too sure if it's still alive today, but back then it was the company that that utilizes bitcoin as a tool for remittance um so basically they have setups in different countries and for certain specific corridors they would be onboarding customers from one country and then maybe selling bitcoin for cash in another country and all these things fundamentally resulted in a much more efficient way of money transfer and the cost of which was also a fraction of the other business models that we see today. For example, like Western Union or the other remittance businesses. Now, I was very intrigued by the technology itself because I, I, I really thought that it was a different, different beast altogether. So I decided to dive deeper into this whole topic around cryptocurrency and blockchain. And, and then 2015 kind of happened and you know, chanced upon the Ethereum white paper. Um, and then fast forward a couple of years later, I, I, I befriended um, this researcher called Loy, who eventually founded uh, Kyber. So I joined Kyber very early on uh, as, a, as a founding team member and headed the business unit for, for the team. So collectively, we managed to build up the um, Kyber as a DEX, uh, first batch of DEXs, um, and and that was that was pretty much my first professional career in in crypto. And I I, I joined Kyber in 2017, and then I stayed on until the end of 2018. After which, I decided to leave the company because I wanted more fresh perspectives and the exposure and experience to try try out different products and, and with different teams. 
so with the blessings of the company, I left and um, and then I gathered a group of people who are now working with me at Pendle to try out different ventures. That's fascinating. Um, Kyber is definitely one of the uh, OG projects in DeFi as far as I'm concerned. So it's super cool to kind of see your journey from those very early days of DeFi to you know where we are today, where, where complexity has just you know in increased exponentially. Um, what kind of uh, motivated you to go down the the fixed income route specifically with uh, with Pendle? Right. So last year in 2020, the first half of last year, there weren't too many activities. Right. It was still pretty quiet. But in the second half of last year, DeFi summer happened, and and then a host of different types of food coins started popping out. And I remember the first one being Yen Finance with the, the, the combination of the rebasing and the governance aspects. And then subsequently, a lot of other coins started popping out. And all of these coins, they had a fantastic amount of APYs, right? They started off with like a couple of billions and then with more participation from the community, the APYs started to drop but still very attractive. And typically they last a few days. And then as a capital deployer, you'll have to move from farm to farm to farm until you make sufficiently enough or until one of these farms rug or collapse. Now, so as participants of these, these uh, food coins farms, we were certainly very, very, uh, involved and uh, very engaged by, by the APYs. But we're also noticing that it was, I mean, all these APYs were fleeting. And it occurred to us that there was no good way for these, I mean, for users and, and these these um, APY, sorry, um, th this food coin operators to, to offer the optionality for users to lock in the rates if they want to. And then we cross-reference this perspective, right, with the traditional finance, and we recognize that fixed-rate product is actually one of the most important pillars in the traditional finance, and it was largely missing in DeFi. Now, so, so with that at the back of our head, we decided to research, research deeper into this field and thought about how we could architect the 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 solution to, to cater to people who want to have fixed rates. Definitely, right? It, it's kind of interesting to see the, the huge difference between TradFi and DeFi, at least to date, uh, when it comes to the, the prevalence of fixed and fixed versus variable yield. Um, and it almost feels like an inevitability uh, for DeFi to eventually uh, get to that kind of fixed income dominant uh, type ecosystem, right? But that's kind of why we're all here today, right? So that, that's what we're really trying to, uh, to build towards. Um, and so Tian, for, for folks who aren't familiar with Pendle, would you be able to kind of walk through um, how your platform is able to offer fixed deals? Yeah, absolutely. So at, at a very high level, Pendle the 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 panel technology involves the stripping of yield bearing assets into the principal principal component and the yield component 
So I think to begin with, right, it's also very important to understand like what is a yield bearing asset. So, um, you, you know, very quickly, because like there are so many different DeFi venues in, in crypto and whenever you uh, deposit assets like a USD, sorry, USDC or USDT into a DeFi venue like Aave as a lender, you are entitled to, to yield lending rate. Now, with these lending rates, right, typically you, by, by depositing the USDC, you get a yield bearing asset. So because, because of your deposit, right, you, you will actually be getting um, uh, rates and, and the rates are actually tied to, to, your, to your yield bearing asset. So when I deposit USDC, I get AUSDC and the interest will actually be paid out in AUSDC in the similar way, right, for a lot of other yield venues, um, similar mechanisms also take place. So what Pedal does is to recognize these yield-bearing assets as, as source of liquidity. And so when user takes their USDC and deposit, sorry, AUSDC and deposit into Pendle, Pendle will, first of all, lock up the AUSDC and mint two sets of tokens. So the first set of token is the OT AUSDC. So OT AUSDC stands for ownership token and it represents the ownership of the underlying, in this case, AUSDC in the contract. So this serves as a proof of your, your uh, ownership of, of that particular asset. And then there's also a second asset called uh, YT. So YT stands for yield token. It's, it, it represents the yield that is accrued to the, to the underlying that is locked up. So for example, right, if you, if you have an AUSDC and let's say your APY stands at 20%. So what, how, how the split here happens is, is, is that because the APY is projected to be about 20% in a year's time, then the yield token is going to cost around uh, 20 cents to a dollar. And then the ownership token will cost about 80 cents to a dollar. So uh, collectively, right, when you add up the value of YT and OT, it equates to the value of one underlying, in this case, AUSDC. Now, the reason why we decided to split up the yield from the principal body is because we want to enable the, in, like the, the trading of these assets independently of each other. And so because, because when we have you know, these, these assets uh, 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 stripped, stripped away from each other, um, we, we create more opportunities for, for uh, traders or speculators or even hedgers to participate. Um, now it's really looking at derivative of these assets and, and um, you know, constructing strategies on how you can potentially maximize your return. Yeah, so, so in terms of the locking in of rates, right? Knowing that there, 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 there are uh, OTs and YTs. So typically from a user standpoint, if you want to lock in the rate, what you'll do is you will first, let's say you already have the yield bearing asset, right? You take the AUSDC, you go to Pendle to min YT and OT, and 
you with the YT, you sell away the YT, and you you sell away the YT into uh, USDC, for example, and and because the selling of YT right effectively represents the the giving away of rights to receive the interest from the underlying protocol, and in doing so, you get paid upfront, um, and 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 the selling of which tip uh, g gives you gives you uh, an income, um, and, and I think an analogy of uh, this, this act right would be similar to like for example, if you have a house, and this house grants you. Uh, and you're renting out this house, and every month you're expecting hundred dollars of income. So in a year's time, right, you're actually going to accrue a thousand two hundred dollars worth of rental income. Now, but maybe you have different requirements, right? You don't want to wait for one year to be able to realize the full one thousand two hundred dollars worth of rental income. So maybe you come to me and you make an offer. You say that. You're willing to give up your rights to receive the rental income for the next one year for five hundred dollars or six hundred dollars, right? And 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 so from my perspective, I just need to pay you six hundred dollars, but in a year's time, it's gonna it's gonna be worth a thousand a thousand two hundred dollars. So effectively, it's a hundred percent increase for me from my investment. So from you as a seller, you are able to get the cash up front. You're able to hedge your position and then from my stand as a buyer i get to purchase the exposure of one year at a price lower than um than than than, than, than what i could potentially pay for uh, and, and i think that's a good deal so we decided to get into a transaction together got it and when you're talking about buying and selling those ot's and yt's uh, on a secondary market how do you go about um, kind of creating that type of market for these Pendle assets? So for the YT and OT, they're actually, for now, they're traded on different venues. So the YT assets are traded on Pendle AMM. So Pendle app itself, like when you, after minting, right, you, you, will, you will typically be prompted to to either add liquidity to the AMM pool or, or trade to, 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 to lock in the rates. So, so the YT assets, because they are, they are, they represent the interest component, right? They are traded on the panel AMM. Now for the OT tokens, depending on the chain, they're also traded on different values. So for OT tokens on ETH mainnet, they're traded on Sushi Swap. For OT tokens that are on Avalanche, they're on Trader Joe. Now, I, I recognize that these are not the most optimal. Um, th these are probably not the most optimal arrangements, right, for, for traders, because if they were to trade YT and OT, and given that YT and OT are so interrelated, to have to do that across different venues would, wouldn't be a very, very good user experience. And, and this is an aspect that we're looking to improve on. And ultimately, next year, one of the focuses is to bring together the liquidity for YT and OT and allow for them to be traded from 
single single source of liquidity pool. Um, but otherwise, right, for YT and OT, in, in, in terms of the secondary liquidity, the process itself is very, very similar to what you would expect on the liquidity provision for SushiSwap or most other AMMs. So you basically take one part of your the YT token and pair it with another part of uh, another base token. So in this case, it could be, say, USDC or um, MIM or some other stable coins, and then put together, uh, put put these two assets together into a pool to 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 set up and 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 um, LP. Got it. Um, and kind of to your point on you know the fact that you're on multiple networks at the moment, right? And that kind of forces you to have somewhat different implementations for going about secondary liquidity. I think it's a really interesting fact to highlight because you're actually one of the only projects we've spoken to that are, are cross-chain at the moment uh, in this specific sector. Um, so I, if you have any thoughts, it would be great to kind of hear what, what drove your decision-making uh, behind crossing over to Avalanche as kind of your first cross-chain expansion for Pendle. Yeah. So as a context, the the contracts on Pendle, they are typically quite computationally heavy. So to to be able to get from the first step all the way to the intended outcome, which comprises of a few steps, like five or six steps, depending on your intended outcome, right? It it will it will cost quite a fair bit of money, especially in dollar value. And we felt that it's actually a very, the, the, the gas cost has become so, so um, inhibitive, right? It's, it's so expensive, like at, at its peak, I think a user will have to spend some like $1,000 in gas just to be able to lock in the rates. And unless you are doing it in a large batch, it almost always never, Makes sense for any any one of us with say small small ticket to 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 lock in the rates. So that fundamentally motivated us to look at different options because it was actually one of the one of the bigger complaints that we've received from the community. And of course, the other one was to abstract away the steps involved because from from the standpoint of a user, right. To be able to to lock in the rates, the user will actually have to go through a, a series of steps, and they can be quite intimidating. Now, of course, um, all of this assumes that the user already knows how to trade YT and OT. So, for most of us here, I believe that we probably don't have a very good understanding of what YT and OT is, and and looking at it for the first time from the UI can be can be quite intimidating. So we, we with with these two considerations, right? We wanted to focus on these two aspects and improve the user experience by eliminating, first of all, the consideration for gas costs, and secondly, it, take abstracting away the complexity so that users can just focus on, say, the numbers and the gains instead of having to go through all the hoops just to be able to get to the same outcome. So. 
with, with these two considerations in mind, we decided to research and look into different ecosystems. And of course, I think if we look at the different layer ones and the L2s, for example, th there are uh, uh, quite a lot of activities happening by now. But at that point in time, our, our choices were pretty much confined to like Polygon, BSC, and Avalanche. And for us as a second degree derivative, right, it, it was actually not that difficult for us to consider these different options because from a standpoint of the, a, a second degree derivative, we'll have to, first of all, ensure that, or, or rather like the, 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 the conditions for us to even consider any other ecosystems can pretty much be boiled down to two. One is there's got to be a, a ready layer of uh, primitive. So for example, if a chain is live, but does not have money market, does not have AMMs, then it really wouldn't make sense for us. And then secondly, the TVLs across these different venues have to be sizable enough and collectively, right? The TVL, across the different primitives in a single ecosystem should exceed a billion dollars in order for a second degree derivative like us to make sense. So that's why that's why I was suggesting that at that point in time where we were considering the different different ecosystems for pendle deployment, we our, our choices weren't that many. Because most other ecosystems back then they were they were still pretty minuscule compared to what they are now. So we reach out to the Avalanche Foundation and I think we, we, we've gotten a pretty good sense of, of what they are. They're, 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 they were helpful to begin with, and they were also very ready to introduce us to the other protocols that were growing on the chain. So that's, that's, that's kind of how we, we were led to Trader Joe and Banky. And, and then eventually working with these two platforms to offer the first few assets on Pendle when we were live on Avalanche. Very cool. I, I think um, the the bane of any DeFi team today is, is Ethereum gas fees. And so kind of taking that cross-chain approach is definitely, you know, something every team has to eventually do at some point. And it's, it's cool to see you guys lead on that front. Uh, you know, for this specific sector in particular. Um, I, I think what would interest uh, the listeners here, especially would be your more recent integration with Wonderland uh, and the time token, um, just because the numbers there are very compelling. <laughs> um, so it would be, be cool to hear more kind of on your thoughts about that integration and what users are currently able to do uh, with it. Okay, so I think the integration with Wonderland Time is actually a very, very interesting one. Because for the longest time, I've always wanted to experiment with very high APY assets. Now, when we, when we, when we were thinking about it, we wanted to support... We, we, I mean, several of these assets certainly cross our mind, right? And because of our presence on both ETH and Avalanche, naturally, Olympus Ohm... Um, and and uh, um, Wonderland's uh, time or red memo, they 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 were um, the the top contenders. So, uh, I mean, eventually because of gas consideration, we decided to begin with uh, time, and 
and and the asset uh, the asset that is currently support right so because like when you when you um, deposit time you get memo and when you um, and that memo can be wrapped um, and and at pendle right now red memo is the asset that is currently being supported but ultimately they belong to the same protocol so because of the APY that red memo currently has it stands at about 80 to 90k depending on the price of the asset it's actually pretty interesting and can at the same time a little challenging to price these assets so um with this implementation we're starting to see a bit more activities around the trading and hedging of interest rates so um you know as a context right when we started out with AUSDC and all the more um i'd say like the more normal APY assets we we typically see people acquire the YTs or the OTs of these assets for for farming because um you know for one in order to incentivize liquidity we were giving away pretty generous amount of pendle to for for people to LP and with this the 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 activities seem a lot more organic and people were actively taking positions in, in in trying to um just trade or hedge the interest rates so for this particular market right um for for red memo it, we we really didn't know what to expect because it's the first time an asset of this sort um, got got tokenized and and the yield free uh, uh, sorry the 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 the, um, the APY component is freed up for for um, exchange or trades and so that's why we went with like two and a half months of contract duration so assuming it does well and from what it seems it, it certainly does look very promising right then we'll have um, maybe when this one expires then we'll have uh, newer markets to like with with varying um, durations to, to to go to go forward. Um, so so uh, coming back to the to the activities, right? We're we're seeing very organic activities and people actively discussing strategies on how they can potentially maximize the returns. So again, I think the the the, the backstory of it is still very consistent, right? With how OT and YT works. Now, typically, what we do when we when we educate users about certain signs or trends to look out for when they want to trade YT or OT is to look at the is to compare the implied yield against the actual yield. Now, at a very high level, right? What it means is that if the APY currently is trading at eighty two percent on on uh, Wonderland, and if you are able to purchase this exposure at 20%, sorry, 20,000% APY, it, it makes sense for you to do so because you're buying it at a discount. And if the current APY is, uh, the current APY on Wonderland, right, is 80,000%, but you have to spend 100K um, percent in, in order to acquire this, 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 this position, then it wouldn't make a lot of sense to you because you're gonna be buying it at a premium and chances are you might not be um, able to, 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 to profit from it. 
right? So, so it really depends on the way you perceive things and and your your outlook on the protocol. But th this becomes an instrument for 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 the users or the people to speculate on the APY. And and of course, I I think we we've also seen a couple of community members working out different models and. Um, different tools for people to estimate the kind of returns that they can get. And, and uh, our, our CTO, Wu, he actually made a thread to explain how he was able to 3x the, the APY of uh, Wonderland time in the same, same duration. Again, th there's, there's no magic there, right? It's really a lot of math and um, strategy. So uh, yeah, if anyone's interested, I would encourage a look at the the thread, which was uh, retweeted from the panel account, yeah. So, so these are just some of the things that we're starting to see happening. It's 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 becoming fairly interesting because the community are really starting to explore uh, the possibility of interest rate trades. Definitely, and what's super cool is you know with the type of kind of product market fit you found with the Wonderland integration. That then becomes something you can, you know, port over to say an Olympus DAO, you know, implementation or a Klima DAO implementation on, and kind of expand chain wise in, in that way, right? Which I think is a, a cool kind of reality when it comes to uh, interacting with reserved uh, back projects uh, like Wonderland. Um, Tia, just to go back to a point you had made earlier, right, um, around kind of the intimidating nature. Um, of fixed income asset protocols in general uh, for users. I, I saw that you recently launched a, a Zap feature um, for Pendle. And we'll be interested to hear kind of what the you know, thought process behind that was and you know, how, how users have responded to kind of the additional functionality that, that's provided for them. Yeah. So this Zap function was something that, again, it, it was... Uh, a feedback from the community member right after we were launched. And because again, to 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 lock in the rate, a user will have to go through some six steps in total. And these are all on-chain steps. So from a user standpoint, right, to, to get them to do two things at once, I think um, it, it, it's already very demanding, let alone six steps. And we we thought that having a Z function to com consolidate these steps so that user only has to uh, execute like a single transaction makes a lot of sense. And Avalanche really provided us the right environment to experiment and go with this Z functions because, I mean, suppose we have Z functions when we were still live on ETH, it would still be very expensive for users. And the we we estimated that the uptake probably wouldn't be very very significant but but with with the gas consideration taken away we felt that it was a very good time for us to introduce the zap functions and so far it has worked out much better than we anticipated so with say with the most recent example of rep memo ytot markets right we're, we're actually seeing a little more than a hundred different, sorry, 100 unique addresses uh, having interacted with this, with this Z functions. So by now, with, with, uh, 
with the assets that we have so far, we, we have some uh, 15, 15 set cards on, on the UI. So let's say if you want to um, immediately LP for, um, say, uh, XJO, right? Uh, you, can, you, can, you can do so directly using one of the cards on, on, the, on the layout. And just, you just need to deposit asset um, as indicated on the card and everything else gets taken care of at the back. So of course, like moving forward, right? With with the uh, with the uh, success or um, of 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 the Z functions, we're we're going to be making it almost like a default option further down, uh, especially target like especially when we're targeting a uh, a user who might not necessarily have the DeFi knowledge or the derivative knowledge to operate all these different kind of assets. Having having a Z function certainly helps them. Save um, save time and and uh, potentially uh, not expanding too much on their uh, bandwidth and, and really allowing them to focus on the more important things, which is to 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 maximize the return. Awesome. Um, well, well, Tian, I think I'd I'd um, like to end the conversation on, on a more general note, um, and that would be with you know, the kind of view you have on how the Pendle token uh, or the governance token interacts uh, with the protocol and kind of your vision for how it'll play a role in the protocol going forward. Right. So for for the Pendle token, we actually have plans on the, um, like the additional utility. But right now, the a high level plan for it is for it to become a governance token, right? And and really allowing the holders a chance to vote on certain measures for for uh, and proposals for for the for the protocol. Um, but we are so so right now we don't really have too much of a utility before. Uh, sorry, beyond beyond just the governance token, right? And a large part of it is because we wanted to optimize the protocol for flexibility and. And and given that right now we're still experimenting with different initiatives and ideas, I think it would be a lot more convenient or easier for us, right, to 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 move fast. And until we have that product market fit, I think this will likely be the better model for model for us to to um, to to adopt. Um, but I I I believe that. You know, in in a in sometime in January, right? We're going to revisit this uh, conversation and providing some kind of outline for how we're going to approach the governance model or the uh, sorry uh, the the utility of the panel token. Um, again, we we have been studying different models that have worked out in the space so far. Uh, v curve, X or G. So these are just some models that we are very inclined to incorporate into the the uh, panel token implementation um, but yeah at, at this point in time I think it's still a little premature to s share too much information um, and and we'll, we'll certainly be giving a bit more uh, info in, in the coming months definitely definitely understood um, I, I really like your kind of um, 
you know, wait and see approach with where the protocol really does find product market fit and then tailoring uh, governance token utility to that because there's so many directions, any kind of, uh, you know, advancement in crypto can go. And, you know, at the onset of a protocol launch, you never really know uh, what, what direction that might be, right? And so it makes a, a ton of sense to kind of back into that utility once it's really clear, um, you know, how the protocol is uh, being received by the market and where the kind of best opportunities for really augmenting the protocol uh, are as, as a result. Um, but before I go ahead and close the conversation, I think it would be cool uh, for me just to talk a little bit about how we're thinking about fixed income assets uh, like Pendle O tokens here at Fiat DAO. Um, so for those who are new to us, uh, what we're essentially building at Fiat is a protocol for leveraging uh, DeFi fixed income assets. Uh, we go about that by allowing you to collateralize uh, fixed income assets that are supported by the protocol um, and minting an asset called fiat, short for fixed income asset token, against it, um, and then allowing you to essentially get leveraged and secondary liquidity uh, through that singular asset. Um, and so we're super excited about projects like Pendle um, because we see you know, tons of opportunity across the space for uh, people to essentially get these fixed income asset positions and actually you know, re-lever them uh, through fiat or just be more comfortable holding them, you know, in a treasury setting because they know that fiat can provide them the type of uh, liquidity they may or may not need for, for the duration um, of a given fixed income asset position. Um, and so that's why we're doing this AMA at, at the moment. And we're really excited uh, to kind of be going into Q1 uh, with our V1 still kind of slated for delivery. Um, and we're excited to be working with uh, projects like Pendle and kind of bringing this vision um, to DeFi. Um, so with that all said, uh, Tian, it would be great to kind of get some personal closing remarks from you. Uh, usually I ask guests what surprised them the most about DeFi in 2021 and then what they're expecting or really excited for about DeFi in, in 2022. Right. So I think by now, looking at all the different trends and the innovative ideas that happen in DeFi, right, I, I, I'm actually pretty immune to really, really innovative products because, uh, like, everything feels so innovative if, if we're looking at them, like, very closely. But I would say in, that just in crypto, uh, crypto in general, right, I... The, the, the biggest surprise for me this year is the fact that in the list of top 20 coins, right, we have two dog coins. Um, and, and I really find it difficult to reconcile with that. Um, one may be okay, but two dog coins in, in the top 20 list is, is a little interesting, uh, puzzling at the same time. Now, in regards to the, the things that I'm, I'm looking forward to in 2022, Two, I think it still boils down to a couple of theses that I have. Uh, one is like I'm still very excited about the cross-chain space, right? Especially if we're looking at the the current uh, current cu current atmosphere in, in in crypto and DeFi altogether. We're starting to see like pretty pretty solid activities across the different layer ones, layer twos, 
And I think there's got to be better ways for users to 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 move their liquidity around all these different ecosystems. And and surely, given the magnitude of this um, this this opportunity. I think there will be a lot more innovative solutions that that will take place to to basically allow for a seamless transition of liquidity from one one ecosystem to the other. I think that's almost inevitable by now because it, it's 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 been happening for the for the last couple of years and with with uh, bridges and and all the other equivalent solutions, right? Um, it's 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 going to build out build itself out and. Maybe it might take a bit longer, but this is um, this is something that I that I'm pretty convinced about. And then, secondly, I am still of a I'm still a very strong proponent of um, under collateralized loans because I think right now, given the 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 state of the ecosystem, we still don't have very good uh, ways for people to under collateralize their loans. And of course, like this. This problem statement has been worked on by a host of other projects, and they are again bringing very uh, immense value to the community by offering solutions that they are designing. I, then again, I still feel that um, none of the protocols today have actually tackled this problem um, in in a way that that uh, really. Um, it introduces that capital efficiency that we see in traditional finance. And, and of course, I, I think uh, this is an area that can continue to be, to be improved on. Um, and, and the other aspect is, um, I, I feel that, you know, as much as we like to think that the AMMs or money market have already reached a point where there is already a product, natural product market fit. And a lot of people might think that there are probably no opportunities for these these um, verticals. I, I I like to think that there are probably ways in which the AMMs and money markets can be challenged as well. And and I really wouldn't be surprised if someone comes out with some kind of model that that uh, is even more efficient than the current implementations of AMM. And for money market, maybe. Um, you know, introduces another layer of security or efficiency much better than the current offerings. And then it kind of disrupts the whole uh, vertical altogether again. So I, I, I think that, um, I mean, currently we're seeing like pretty interesting variants of these products, right? Um, but, you know, that there is a possibility of people using yield-bearing assets for, um, for, 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 say, AMM or money market and doing so actually allows um, maybe more possibilities uh, and innovations that can be built on top. So I, I think these are just, you know, my perspective and, and something that I look forward to in 2022. Now, whether they realize or not, it's, it's really beyond me. And certainly I think if, if, if we've been around the space for some time now, uh, we should always be, I, I feel that it, it doesn't harm to be optimistic and imaginative because most of the time, the the products that 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 are introduced, you know, sometime, um, uh, they 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 will always. Um, I I would say sorry. I, I should say that like I've 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 been 
constantly surprised by the ability of the community to come up with like something really innovative that um, that that would uh, blow everybody's mind. Definitely, you can you can never discount the uh, the crypto hive mind, right? <laughs> Especially when everyone's really aligned uh, when it comes to single protocol success, right? Which I, a lot of communities are like. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely resonate with your, you know, I would almost call like a, a builder's dilemma in crypto where you're constantly oscillating between uh, unfettered optimism and then, you know, disgust at dog coins and, and the top 20 uh, market cap, right? It's just, is always kind of that oscillation uh, from, from peaks to valleys, but um, you know, it's, it's, I'm sure it'll be yet another great year of building uh, in 2022, just as more and more uh, of DeFi matures and more and more use cases kind of emerge, as, as, as you pointed out, right? Like communities start taking all of these projects and kind of checking out where composability lies and where more efficient designs lie. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely with you on kind of being optimistic on, on that front. Um, but yeah, Tian, thank you so much for joining us today, um, as well as everyone else uh, for listening in. Um, and our next uh, scheduled call will be um, with Sense Finance uh, on January 5th.